Do you like what you're hearing right now? Then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on VOCNation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, VOCNation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at VOCNation. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to WCW Retro. Uh, this is the special Christmas special. Uh, I'm in here. Um, and uh, great to have you guys with us as always. Papa Story is this place to be, folks. We talk about past, present, future professional wrestling, but so much more. And everyone's going to call and have the fun. And before we get started, make a shout out, if you will. Uh, Cauliflower Alley Club, found it up to cauliflowerallyclub.org. Uh, official Special Friends, official special friends.com. Um, Masters Ring Entertainment dot com uh, for Masters Ring Entertainment um, as well uh, social media roundup uh, the store dot com my official website the store dot com slash merchandise my official Papa Store merch get your Papa Store merch today for the holidays and Christmas um, if you'd like to uh, make a donation to me uh, buy me a cup of coffee tips etc. Thank you for those who have donated. You can do so at paypal.me, Mary, easy eat, slash Papa Stro. And thank you in advance for your support. Uh, for bookings, you can hit me up at strofoya at yahoo.com, S-T-R-O, number 4-Y-A, yahoo.com. And uh, let's talk business, if you will. And that's also uh, wcbretro at yahoo.com if you'd like to be a special guest on the upcoming episode of WCB Retro. Uh, Lots to talk about tonight, for sure. Uh, Christmas special. Uh, great to have you guys with us. And let's get, take our first caller, if you will. And, by the way, if you'd like to call in any time in tonight's life, WCW Retro Podcast, you can do so at 914-338-1885. Once again, it's 914-338-1885. Let's get to it, shall we? I think it's my brother Chaz from Chicago. Hey, Chaz, welcome back, brother. How you doing? Hey, Stroh. How are you tonight, brother? Oh yeah, great, to, great to be here. Fighting the weather here, if you will. It's kind of stormy up this way, but uh, guys, yeah, great to be here. Uh, How things going? Yeah. Oh, we've had rain all week and just you know goofiness and whatever. It's Chicago weather. You don't like it? Stick around. It'll change in an hour. Yeah, right. <laughs> I believe that. Like that. What? What? A, gosh, what a year this has been. Uh, it's been pretty it wild. Yeah, I mean, like it's, it's, been, it's been different. I mean. But, um, you know, for for me professionally, it's been a great year. I mean, I just look back on, on what I've done this year, and, I, you know, I've, uh, I've been fortunate enough to get booked in New Orleans, to get booked many times in Memphis, uh, to get booked in England for Fight Mare 4, and that was just a phenomenal experience. So it's it's been a good year for me professional wrestling-wise, it's been a weird year for everything else. Oh, I believe that. I believe that. Well, I, you know, I, I we haven't really t- touched on, on this very much, but um, if you could get a uh, like a little preview for the listeners, but tell us about the UK experience and how all that went for you. You know, I, I'll tell you, it was. Um, it was a very eye-opening experience as to how things were run out there. Um, the Knights treated me so well. I mean, WAW, World Association of Wrestling, accepted me with open arms. Uh, and, I mean, I was treated so well from the time I landed to the time I, I took off to come back to the States. I mean, they took care of every expense. They made sure I was well looked after. They made sure that I had uh, a very nice place to stay while I was out there. Uh, the fans were just phenomenal. I mean, they're they're knowledgeable fans without crossing that line into smart markism. So you mm-hmm. couldn't just put anything out there. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't just walk out there and expect to get a reaction. You had to work for it. But you got the proper, you know, they gave the proper reaction that you were looking for. And, you know, right. I, I got over as all get out. I mean, and they hated me. So I got showered with booze and cat calls and down with America. And I'm like, I agree with you. Down with America. 
<laughs> at one point during the at one point during the match, I met, I managed a, a young a young wrestler named Bullet, who's been is uh, he's been a, a mainstay out in England, and he just got signed to Progress. So I managed him against another up and comer from New Zealand uh, named Niwa. And at one point, you know, we had a we had a pinning combination. Ref counted two, and Niwa kicked out. And I told the ref, I said, uh, "Can't you count three? They can count three in America." <laughs> and I hear one of the fans in the second row, basically, you know, profanity to America. And I'm like, I agree with you, but they still know how to count three. Big <laughs> reaction. Nice. So I mean, they're like I said, they were very knowledgeable fans, but they were. They're very uh, into the old school methodology. I mean, uh, the production was second to none. I mean, they had a full they had a full announce booth, so they had a uh, they had an a play by play and a color in a separate announce booth. You know, with monitors with the view of the ring as well. They had uh, pyro. They had smoke. They had the big screen for your entrance videos. They had a, a full crew. Manning all of the aspects of of production in the back. I mean, we had agents for every match, and I mean the agents weren't just anybody. We're talking about legends from UK wrestling. Tony Sinclair was an agent, and Tony nice. Sinclair has been around since the '70s. In fact, one of the the better, one of the nicer stories that we that Tony was able to share with us was his tour of Japan back in '76 with uh, with Terry and Dory Funk and Giant Baba. So, oh, I mean, that's wow. how far Tony Sinclair goes back. And then you had yeah. Jason Cross flying from Wales, and Jason's been a mainstay in Europe forever. You know, you had mm-hmm. uh, you had Tony Sinclair, you had you had Jason Cross, you had a um, a bunch of other guys. I'm sure I'm forgetting people that'll remind me who I forgot long after the the podcast is over. Um, but, you know, Ricky Knight and, and the family, they took a hands-on approach. I mean, the main event was basically fighting with my family live. It was Zach Zodiac oh. versus Roy Knight, and they had title for title. They had the European title up against the WAW world title, and Soraya was mm-hmm. the guest referee. Oh, nice. So, I mean, that was something. And I was able to, I was able to be part of the first, singles match of the night, which was uh, the second match total after the Battle Royal. And so we got through the curtain, and it was uh, the Norfolk Showground is a gigantic place. They put 1,500 people in this place, and they still had room for more. Oh, wow. And the, the entranceway was, it wasn't a ramp, but it was like the old WWE entrances where you had to walk like a half a mile to get to the ring. Yeah, yeah. So you were able to pick up reactions based off of your entrance long before you ever got in the ring. You know, it was just, it was an awesome experience. It was from the time I landed and got over to the WAW Performance Center until the time that I actually got back to Heathrow. I mean, the the Knights were, were second to none in terms of how they treat their talent. And, you know, we got to work, I got to share a locker room with, Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green and Sean Hernandez. So I mean, these are guys with the you know people with experience that you can draw off of. Not to mention, you know, not to mention the the WAW regulars that are that work their rear ends off. I mean, Ricky Knight is still wrestling at seventy years old. That's amazing, isn't it? Though I mean, Soraya Knight, Soraya Knight matched up with um, with Chelsea Green and they tore the house down. And then you've oh, got a wow. you've got a number of great workers that were there. I mean, PJ Knight, uh, Patrick is is a is an up and comer that shouldn't be slept on in the United mm-hmm. States. I mean, the same thing the same thing with a lot of the the girls from Bellatrix. I mean, they're all you know good solid workers. Uh, right. Who else am I missing? I mean, you got Niwin, you got Bullet. Those guys are are ready to fly. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach Zodiac, I mean, Zach Knight, his time is now. How this guy is mm-hmm. not signed yet is beyond me. I was so happy to see him make an appearance at AEW, you know, watching Soraya work uh, work against Britt Baker, and that was nice mm-hmm. to see. That was nice to see from Zach. And Zach's going to be touring the United States. I'm actually organizing his two-week U.S. tour in July of 2023. 
And so Zach's going to be working. uh, He's going to work Memphis. He's going to work Milwaukee. He's going to work the Chicago area and anybody else that wants to book him. I mean, you know, as long as the, as long as the dates line up and and the money lines up, uh, you know, he's open to working anywhere in the United States and he's open to coming on podcasts. I love to have him come on WCW retro. I think you, you'd love him as a guest. And it was just a, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a WrestleMania type production. It was basically the WrestleMania of European, of the European circuit. It was the largest show of the European circuit for the year. And, I mean, everything just went smooth. There wasn't one hiccup in the show. I mean, merch That's tables awesome. were the merch tables were well-manned and well-stocked. I mean, it, you know, it was they had a meet-and-greet the morning of the show. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fans came out. I think they had 600 fans come out at 11 o'clock in the morning. Now, the, now the main show is not till 7. They came wow. out to the performance center at like eleven o'clock in the morning for the meet and greet. Oh wow! And I can't say I can't say enough good things about Soraya. That girl went out of her way to make sure that everybody she came in contact with was welcome and felt like family. I mean, she had a one woman show on Friday night prior to the prior to the uh, the fight mare festivities, and her one woman show, which they had full dinner service by the way, if you if you wanted to buy that particular ticket. They drew mm-hmm. 600 people at the Performance Center to watch her interview oh. show. That's awesome. And then they had a photo booth set up. What I thought was kind of interesting is they had a, a photo booth set up so that with your ticket, it included a photo op, and the photo got printed right then and there, and she signed it for the fans. And, I mean, oh, she didn't leave until the last fan left. You know, the same thing That's... with uh, the same thing with her at the meet and greet on Saturday. I mean, she was just very accommodating. As as everybody in the crew was, but you know she went out of her way to make sure that people that came to see her were welcome because it was her first time home in four years. Mhm. Wow. You know, so I can't say enough good things about the World Association of Wrestling. Can't say enough great things about Fight Mare or the way I was treated and how the fans received me and you know. Uh, Everybody was so professional. I mean, the nice part, I thought, was that um, everybody dressed up for the meet-and-greet on Saturday morning. So it was, mm-hmm. it was suits and business attire from everybody. And you don't right. see that enough anymore. I mean, you, know, you right. go to, I don't care which, which show it is. You'll see a lot of big shows, and guys will be dressed, you know, T-shirts and whatever and looking like crap backstage. And it's like, come on, guys, this mm-hmm. is a big show. This is a 1,500-person uh, sold-out show. You're on pay-per-view, you know, you're on streaming, and treat it as such. Don't come dressed like garbage. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And, you know, exactly. I think the one takeaway, the biggest takeaway that I, I got from this experience, other than the fact of how professionally run it was, was mm-hmm. that, you know, we in the in the independent scene or, or independent circuit or whatever you want to call it, you know, we tend to uh, wish and hope and wonder what it's like to be on the on a grand scale, but we don't have fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, we yeah. come to sh- we we come to a show, no matter what show it is, come to a show dressed like garbage, come to a show late or right on call. You you want to big time the fans that are out there paying their hard earned dollar to see you. You want to act like you're a big deal when you're really just you know. As Sean Hernandez put it, this was a picture that was being framed, and we were all part of the frame. Soraya was the picture. She was the headliner. Mm-hmm. We were all part of the frame. And everybody mm-hmm. understood their role. I mean, no one tried to steal the show. No one tried to big-time the fans. There were no egos or head cases there. I mean, mm-hmm. this, is the kind of, this is the kind of show that you'd want to work at every day of your career. Right. You know, right. it, reminded, it reminded me a lot of it reminded me a lot of the way things were run back in the territory days. Like I remember going, I keep going drawing back on this because it was a, really the first huge show that I went to see. But back in '85, I was at Super Clash One at Comiskey Park. You know, the AWA, the, the Crockett, Vern Gagne, uh, Fritz von Erich combined show, and that was mm-hmm. I thought was like so professionally run. 
And this thing, this white mirror surpassed that. So, I mean, all, all credit to Ricky Knight and Soraya Knight and Zach and Roy and Soraya and, you know, everybody that's connected with WAW because uh, they just put on an absolute show for the ages. And they do it every year. And, you know, one of the nicest parts was um, their director for years and years and years, Len Davies, who was living in the States, had gotten sick. And Len has since passed. But Len was able to be on video chat with Jason and a bunch of the boys in the back, and I was happy to talk to Len because WAW was his pride and passion. Right, right. You know, hopefully, hopefully I was, uh, hopefully I was received well enough, and hopefully I I put on a, I put on a, a good display of professionalism. Well, they'll bring me back next year because I'll I'll go back and work WAW on a moment's notice. All they got to do is tell me when. And help me, you know, we'll take care of the arrangements, and I'm out there. I'm there. I love England. That's awesome. That's what I, I really had a chance to discuss this with you in, like, uh, you know, in an open forum like this. And it's really cool telling all these great stories of the tour. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, love the pictures you sent, like, yeah, via social media. They, they were awesome. One of the nicest parts, Stro, was that, you know, their agents were asking me if I if I knew any good young talents that would like to go out there for a two week tour on what they call a camp show. Basically, a camp show are their fair, are their fair shows in the summertime, and they use a lot of young mm-hmm. talents. And they'll give they'll give a good young talent two weeks worth of work out there. You know, working awesome. different styles, not only working. You know, they had a they had such a uh, a good mix of style. I mean, you had power guys like Bullet. And you had, po- you know, and, and other workers that were just straight power. You had guys that were like Oscar Hyde, who's um, mm-hmm. who's a good commodity, uh, you know, fairly well known out in the UK, but not known here. But again, he right. carries himself with with such a a professionalism and an aura that he. And I told him, I said, you know, I'm going to tell you something, brother. I said, uh, I don't heap praise on everybody. I said, but you remind me of Lord Alfred Hayes. Especially when Lord Alfred Hayes was wrestling. He had that same type of style, that slow, deliberate English style. Yeah. You know, those each you had guys with an English style. You had guys like Niwa, who's from New Zealand, who works that who works more of the Japanese style. You had Bullet, who's a straight power guy, but can go. Mm-hmm. You know, you had Matt Cardona guy. You know, I can't say enough good things about Matt Cardona. Matt Cardona was the NWA champion never lost that title. All right, granted he didn't do, he didn't right. get the belt back in the three-way, you know, uh, with Tyrus and and uh, and Trevor Murdoch. But you know, Matt's a champion. Um, Sean Hernandez, I mean, come on, I mean, his work in TNA alone it will stand the test of time. And Sean's just That's a great, great guy on top of the fact that he's a great worker. Chelsea mm-hmm. Green, absolute, absolute professional. Complete sweetheart. I mean, we had uh, one of the fans was there, was uh, a guest manager for um, against Ricky Knight uh, in Ricky's match, which was a charity match. And uh, young Sam, who's got Down syndrome, I mean, we made Sam blush. He couldn't wait to get a picture with Chelsea. And Mm -hmm. he walks away just giggling and blushing. And, of course, you know how I am. I said, hey, Sam, you're blushing there, brother. And he's just giggling. I'm like, Chelsea, you made him blush. And Matt comes right yeah. over. He's like, wait a minute. What's he doing with my life? I said, I don't know, dude, but he's blushing. And so right. we just wound, we wound Sam up a little bit. But, again, he was, com- you know, he was completely enthralled by the fact that the wrestlers and the workers were taking time out to to make him feel good. And, uh, you know, it's, there were so many fans that I met that I had known only through the Knights Twitch stream that are coming up to mm-hmm. Chaz. And, you know, you recognize them like, like, like your old friends. And, you know, and that was just the, that was, it, it was an experience that you can say it was a once in a lifetime experience, but I don't want it to be. I'd rather that be a yearly experience for me. Right, right, right. Man, that, that's, that's really cool. That, that's awesome. And, you know, um, now, you know, Soraya, she's, uh, I'm, I could be happy for her so far with her AEW run. I mean, it's, it's been really cool. Oh, and yeah. I really think uh, that the 
she's thinks she's got going on with uh, Dr. Britt Baker. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. You know what I mean? Uh, definitely, definitely to the top. Definitely, I know. I know they're they're uh, they're going to get hooked up in a tag match soon, and you know mm-hmm. the the calls from back out from back in uh, back across the pond are to put uh, to put the mother daughter team back together and to put uh, Soraya Knight and Soraya together again. And wouldn't that be yeah. if the former Soraya Knight and Brittany Knight combination? Wouldn't that be a sight to see at AEW? Yes, it would. That'd be amazing. I hope that. You know, yeah. they can make that happen. That'd be really cool. Um, you know, yeah. and the funny part is people are saying, hey, hey, Chaz, what happens if Zach gets signed by AEW and they won't let him do the tour? Oh, we'll be disappointed. We'll have to give out refunds and deposits and whatnot. But if we lose Zach's tour to, to him being signed full-time by AEW, yeah, I can be okay with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, that, like you said, that opens up a whole window of opportunity. Uh, uh, most definitely. You know, for most the, definitely, and you know, we we, we joke around about it, but mm-hmm. you know, after after twelve years in the business, getting an international uh, credit to my resume was something that I worked my rear end off for ten years to get this booking, and so yeah. you know, I'm very proud of the fact that I, you know, I can I can legitimately put the and I don't do it because I mean I. I to me, it, it kind of straddles that line between professional and unprofessional. But, I mean, I can put the right. if I wanted to. I can put the tag on that I am now internationally known, which is legit. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. That's it. And, you know, it's like this, this you know, that's what the business is about, you know. Uh, learn all we can, opening new doors, opportunity, and, you know, timing oh, is everything in the business, you know what I mean? So. Totally agree, brother. I mean, timing is the key, but making the most of your opportunity is um, another key that a lot of people don't understand or, or don't value enough because it just seems mm-hmm. to me that the biggest hindrance to, to some – I'm not going to name names because I really can't, but uh, some of the workers here in the States – are their own worst enemies. Oh, yeah. Because not only do they, they believe their own hype, they believe their own BS, and they're just unwilling to learn from those that know. I mean, I don't know the details to why Regal is, uh, is, has left AEW. I can only surmise the fact that no one paid attention to him and paid attention to the wisdom and the knowledge that he has in the locker room. And it's sad. It is, you know, Brian Pillman Jr. touched up on that recently where, you know, Regal would have uh, certain certain uh, young people uh, come come to him before the shows and, he, he, you know, he would teach him, teach him a few things and, like, you know, Pillman Jr. would say that, you know, he wished more of them would have came. And, you know, some day, you know, some days are better than others, like, they would have like ten people, they were like three people, and yada yada. But he just wished more people would have taken advantage of Regal's knowledge and expertise. They do really oh, a lot. I mean, I mean, I'm no, I'm, I'm no, I'm not of the caliber of the experience that a Stephen Regal brings. But I mean, I even see it on the smaller scale. You get guys that are out there that some guys will come up to you and, and want a little bit of advice, and it's not a problem. You know, we can do that. And there's others mm-hmm. that you can see them in the locker room. They just walk around, just believe in their own nonsense. You know, they go right. out there and they've got to they've got to do all their uh, all their flippy crap that doesn't tell a story, doesn't make sense, doesn't stick to time. Number one, they were that was the one thing they were sticklers on um, out at out at Fightmare was to stay in your to stay within your time. Mm-hmm. And their times weren't bell to bell. Their times were entrance to exit. Right. So if you can tell like if you can tell a good story and, and get a good match over, you know, based on where you're positioned in the card and come in under you know, come in just right on or under time, oh, they were over the moon. I mean Jason Jason Cross was our agent and we came mm-hmm. in, we told the exact story we wanted to tell. We knew our place on the card, we got the crowd into it, everything was fine and we got done three minutes early. Mm-hmm. So we gave them three minutes back into the card that they wouldn't have had before for something else. Right. 
How many times do we see, you know, we see young kids in the somewhere in the card or semi-main, and, and they're going 10 minutes over, 12 minutes over, because they got to get their, you, you know what the word is, I don't have to say it, they got to get their stuff in, and <laughs> yeah. the main event is now shortchanged because these fools had to get their stuff in. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it mm-hmm. just doesn't make any sense to me. But like I said, you no. know, um, I'll be more than happy to, to continue. We'll, we can have a, a conversation off off air about everything that went out over there that, that I really don't wish to share with okay, fans. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, but, but yeah. you know, Look at he, you just know, to let everybody know, it, it was a – Yes, you know, about uh, – and he was talking about Regal and he's saying that, you know, a lot of things. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look down, at the guys you know, that came. Regal, you know, Regal, Regal wouldn't be too keen on, you know, all the recklessness and everything, you know what I mean? Because Regal was no, like, but no wasted motion, you know, Bret Hart. I mean, you, style, look at you, the, know I mean? You, you look at the workers that came through WAW in their training. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had guys like, you had guys like Nick Aldis broke in at WAW. Tom mm-hmm. Latimer did a lot of good work there as when he was first coming up before he came to the States. Uh, and you've got, you know, you've got the Knights, all five of them are just tearing it up out there. And you've got guys like Oscar Hyde and Ricky Knight Jr. and P.J. Knight. And, I mean, you know, good tag teams like the Battle Cats. And, and uh, uh, you know, it's just like I said, there's just so much great talent that comes out of there. You know, on the female side, you've got Tracy, you've got Vanessa, you've got just a load uh, of good talent, and it's one of the few promotions that I've seen where their academy where their academy kids get their own show during the weekend. Now, it didn't happen during Fight Mare weekend because they had a seminar with Soraya and with Jason Cross on the Sunday, but typically on the Sunday it's a kids show. That's where the kids in the in the academy. And, I mean, they start training from six years old on up. That's when yeah. they have their show. And they draw 300 people to the kiddie show. And it's great for the kids because it gets them in front of a crowd. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. But, again, I don't, I don't want to take up, you know, too much of the show's time uh, talking no, about no, this. I'd be more than happy to talk about it off air. But, uh, again, if you yeah. – for any good young worker out there, I mean, if you can, if you can learn and and you know ask the, I hate to say, I'm not gonna say ask the adults, but ask the vets what they think and take what they tell you to heart. I mean, you know, everybody was remarking about my professionalism and how I carried myself, and again, that's a testament to my trainers. Now, I never had guys that were WWE trainers, but I had good. Good, solid trainers. I had guys like Jimmy Blaze, who's been around the Chicago scene for 30 years. I had guys like Scott Spade and Rough Crossing. I mean, these were these were good kids that got it and that understood different styles and could help, you know, train different styles. I mean, and anybody that thinks that being a manager is easy, yeah, okay, try it. All right, try keeping track of the time. Try making sure that you're in position. Try making sure that you don't miss a spot. You know when to interact with the crowd, when not to interact with the crowd, so you don't take away anything from the match. And tell me how easy it is. Right. Because it's not. You know, when you get guys like myself. Yeah, I mean, when you get guys like myself and Matt Robles and uh, and Sidney Bacabella and uh, Stokely Hathaway. Stokely Hathaway is a, is a god right now. The work that he's doing at AEW, second to none. Mm-hmm. And he's a pure manager. I mean, you know, guys like us, Nigel Radd, uh, David Spector, guys like us that, that take the idea of managing seriously and, and bust our tails to perfect our craft, and then you get some schmuck out there that's the promoter's third cousin's brother's uncle's roommate that walks out in a cheap-ass <laughs> suit and a, pair of, and a pair of sunglasses from – the gas station and goes, oh, I'm a manager. No, you're not, dude. No, you're yeah. not. You're not even a cosplayer. I don't know what you are, but you don't belong in my business. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I want to get your thoughts. You know, I've uh, been watching the Tales from the Territories on Vice and some Loving other episodes it. from a while back. Loving and, it. Uh, I mean, you you know I'm a territory guy. 
You know, yeah. my, my wife teases me all the time. She says, you can't think like that now. It's not the territory. This is it is if you think it is. I mean, you take a look at places that are run like the territories were. Greg Anthony's Pro Wrestling Mid-South, that's the Memphis yeah. territory reborn. I love right. working down there. I work down there every week. Now I'm suspended mm-hmm. for 90 days because they, uh, I guess they got a little fed up with me taking care of my clients uh, in the way that I know how. So I got suspended for 90 days. But that's okay. Come <laughs> April and May, oh, I'll be back. And I'll be back and up to my old shenanigans. But, you know, Pro Wrestling Mid-South is still run like the old Memphis territories run. Ripley on Friday night, uh, Dyersburg mm-hmm. on Saturday, you know. Yeah. Um, Plus you got Gulf State Wrestling down in Louisiana with Mike Beadle and and uh and Wild Thing, Mike Boudreaux with Pro Wrestling two twenty five and they still run that Louisiana territory, you know. Right. Uh, right. what Dave Marquez is doing with with uh with his championship wrestling series all over the country. But that's not territorial, mm-hmm. I don't know what is. Right. You know, Chicago is a uh, Chicago is, is a unique is a unique scene because we have they have a number. I mean, we, at one point I was counting over 25 different promotions, but each one is carved out into a little niche in this large area. I mean, who's running mm-hmm. the north suburbs? Who's running the western suburbs of Chicago? Who's running Chicago themselves, like uh, AAW and places that run at the Eagles Club? That you know, like Squared Circle Megastars that I went that I worked for, and you got guys. You have a, another promotion running Joliet. And no one else is right. running around Joliet, and they're all drawn. But why are they all mm-hmm. drawn? Because they're also what they don't realize is they're all still running territory. They're just running their own little territory. Each promotion's like its own little fiefdom, you know. But mm-hmm. I, I love that the series and tales from the territories. I mean, I I thought it was it's been well done. It's it, it talks about the uh, you know the good, the bad, and the weird without putting down the business. One of the yeah. knocks that I had against one of the knocks that I had against. Dark side of the ring is it? It just yeah okay. These were the creepy stories that needed to be told, but man, did it just cast a, a bad light on the entire industry? Right. I mean, I, that, right. that's the difference between the tales from the territories and the dark side. Yeah, you still get the mm-hmm. stories, you know that uh, how you know how wild it was back then, but they still talk mm-hmm. about what made each of these promotions work and where their ultimate downfall yeah. was. Right, absolutely. You know, and, fact, and uh, you got to admit, you, you, you got to laugh. I mean, because um, two of them that really struck me was the AWA episode where uh, Ken Patera got all bent out of shape still about the uh, the incident in Waukesha with the boulder. Uh, yeah, that he maintains he didn't do. And you know, oh, and, wow. and Jimmy uh, Jimmy Brunzel and Greg were kind of ribbing him about it, and all of a sudden you just hear Ken act like an old grandpa. Shut up, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those, was, those are the things that strike you. Yeah, it was one of my favorites. Uh, the mid the mid south one recently. Yeah, this DBS. last one with with Watts and DBM with DBS yeah. and and Michael Hayes and and whatnot and. Uh, I mean, we all know, we've all heard the stories, and here I I implore fans and workers alike, if you really want to hear these stories up close while they're while these people are still around, get out the cauliflower, get out to the cauliflower club reunion. You can sit in the mm-hmm. movie room for three days, just listening to stories. See, that's what you know, so, from so different. Cool seeing, uh, no class, Bobby Bass, on the, uh, yeah. the Stampede episode of Tales yeah. of Stories. And, and I mean, no one, really, on the, uh, no one, yeah. no one really knew about Pacific Northwest. We knew about Roddy Piper, and we knew about, uh, you know, we knew about uh, Lonnie Maine going backwards. Right. But you know, look how instrumental Buddy Rose was to keeping that territory alive, and not only that, but maintaining mm-hmm. their video library. I yeah. mean, they were taping. You know, back then they would tape over master copies because they didn't see it as longevity. They saw it as a weekly show that wasn't going away until McMahon came along. But you know, mm-hmm. you got guys like you had a guy like Buddy Rose that basically, God bless him, saved that territory by having every week's show taped on VHS. Right. And that's how we get to see stuff that happened in Portland. Uh, you know, the, the, the stuff in Mid South. Thank God. You know, I, I love the fact that um, that that's still being shown on Peacock on the WWE Network. You can still see those. Those episodes 
and uh, you know right. Calgary Stampede. We all knew the stories about about Stu, but I mean, you know, when you get a guy that's a legit badass like Dave Schultz that did everything he yeah. could to stay away from Stu in the dungeon. I yeah. Right now the stories are the stories come alive. I mean, you know. Right. Oh man. You know, and to hear to hear guys like Abdullah the Butcher. I mean, everybody that's smart to the business knows how brilliant Abdullah the Butcher is, and, and how mm-hmm. much he protected and loved the business, and you know how much how well Stu Hart took care of him. Yeah. And you know, and, and, and took care of the rest of the boys. Abdullah, like this ball talking about. Passing the stew, man. That that got me. You know. Yeah, wow. I mean, and like he said, because as long as I'm alive, no one will say a bad word about Stu Hart. Mm-hmm. You know, and listening to the, listening to Jerry Jarrett and Jeff Jarrett and Lawler, yes, and Dutch talking about Memphis. You know, and, and oh, talking man. about that part of that was that was great. And I'm glad they didn't touch on every single territory out there. I mean. I, I think I'm hoping that they that they are going to have a season two, which I think they will, because there's so many other parts of the country that weren't touched on. They didn't touch mm-hmm. on Montreal and Toronto; those were mm-hmm. territories in and of themselves. Uh, right. They didn't really touch on Alabama with Continental mm-hmm. with the Fullers. Yeah, I mean that's another. So yeah. they didn't touch on Smoky Mountain. That you know, mm-hmm. I still bo- I still maintain Jimmy Cornette was a genius in discovering talent, but, you know, he was also a genius in giving uh, a young Robbie Eagle his uh, his place yeah. to, and his platform to shine. Yes. Forever grateful. Forever grateful to Jimmy. Oh, I mean, you know, <laughs> Jimmy was one of my mentors. I did a couple – I attended a couple of his seminars, and I was lucky enough to, to pick his brain at a New Year's Eve party of all places back in, in oh, 2012. New Year's Eve 2012 going into 2013. Well, we were at a New Year's Eve party together in Chicago at the Squared Circle, and I was, you know, I was able to to pick his brain all night long. As long as the uh, screwdrivers were flowing, I was able to sit underneath that learning tree, and that was just phenomenal. You know, and, and the nice part was uh, at one point he yelled from across the room, "Hey, Chaz!" I'm like, "What? There's a problem with my drink. So what's the matter, Jimmy? It's gone. I oh, will take care of that." <laughs> Yeah, oh, but even man. L.A. they did, they didn't do L.A. yet with with uh, with Gene with Gene LaBelle and Mike LaBelle. I mean that's a whole oh, other topic oh, worth man. talking about. Yeah, you know San Francisco with Roy Shire. Yeah, Roy I mean, Shire. There's, there's right? a number there's a number of different uh, territories I, that they haven't hit yet. I'm I'm glad they hit I, Polynesian I Pro. Florida one. Yeah, Polynesian Pro was good. With a uh, senior, Florida was good. I didn't. Re- I didn't realize Eddie Graham was such a nut job once he started drinking. Oh God, yeah, and and I love the story that Steve Kern told about his dad passing away in Vietnam in the war, and yeah. how he looked up. Yeah, coming home from the war, and I mean, you know, that ain't. And that was cool. What I one of the bigger takeaways was how these angles just generated so much heat, and how people. Yeah believed in what was being presented. And again... Like the Bob Brooks-Steve Kern feud? Remember that? When you yep. you know, talking yep. trash I mean, you know, Even Kern. Waller and Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman yeah. was, the, was the quintessential heel. Andy was a worker's worker. What I mean, and hearing the stories about... Hearing the stories about Andy and Waller and, and how uh, Andy only wanted to be a one-shot deal. You know, he wanted us to do his comedy, his comedy wrestling routine, in front of a wrestling mm-hmm. crowd. And you know, and Jerry and Jerry Jarrett saw the value in it and said, "Hey, no, no, we got to book a return. We got to do this. We got to do that." And I mean, it, right. they made a full blown program out of this. And exactly. to to listen to the stories of how, while he didn't call the action in the ring, how he was mm-hmm. calling other parts of that story, like the whole idea of getting an ambulance. And yeah. Kate Babe and the doctors? I mean, the guy was in traction for three days. Kate Babe and doctors. There was nothing wrong with him. That's awesome. I mean, that's awesome. You don't you don't see that anymore. I'll tell you the one guy that does that does project it, and that's why I think he's the best heel in the business right now, is MJF. Mm-hmm. MJF is bar none the best heel in the business because he protects the business. He protects the gimmick. Right. You know, I, I had a problem a couple of years ago with, with a bunch of quote-unquote indie workers that didn't like me 
that tried to get me canceled. And, you know, you confront them privately. What did I ever do to you? Oh, nothing. I just don't like your character. Oh, okay. Thank you, Mark Boyd. Why don't you go buy a ticket instead of sitting in the locker room? I'm a heel. That's what I'm supposed to do. Dumbass. Yeah. But, you know, you That's, got these guys that are really good. Cool. did with uh, Ricky Starks the other night was just amazing. Yeah, I mean, I would have people actually tell my wife, well, we don't like your husband because we don't know where where uh, his character ends and his, his real persona begins. What are you talking about? My character <laughs> is 85% of my real persona. Right. I, I'm going to protect, I'm going to protect my, my persona and my gimmick and my name to the best of my ability until it's time for me to walk away or until I want to walk away. There's no one going to tell me what to do. They'll be asking questions, but nobody won't buy the tickets. Come watch it. You know I mean? <laughs> Dude, let me tell you something. I, a vet one time told me something when I first got in the business, and I'll say it was, it was Jamie Dundee. And he said, brother, mm-hmm. the biggest marks sit behind the curtain. Yes. And he was right. So so true. He was a thousand percent <laughs> right. The biggest marks are behind the curtain. But I never once performed to pop the boys. I popped no, the people yeah. that paid her hard earned dollar to come see that show. If if, if you can work are happy, it, I'm happy. If you can work the people in the back then then that's on the whole new level. Uh, dude, you know what I mean? You know here, when when, <laughs> when you have when you work Memphis and by the end of by the end of the second night, you got people threatening you with death. Yeah, you're doing your job right. Yes. You're doing Absolutely. your job right. And I had a laugh. You, I had that happen to me one time in Memphis, and and uh, <laughs> so one of them got on got on Messenger on Facebook, and he's threatening me with death, and I'm laughing about it, right? And because yeah. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I did my job right. And my wife's looking at me, going, "Are you crazy?" I said, no, are you kidding me? This is fun. This is what you go down there for. You go down there to oh, get yeah. that old, to get all that heat and that old school feel. And, and I'll work for Greg Anthony any day of the week. Mm-hmm. So I'll get, you know, I'll get that. I'll work for Greg any day of the week. And he knows that. And it's it's awesome. So, but, uh, so get, you know, getting away from, from me and all that other nonsense. Uh, Christmas spectaculars. I mean, God, go back to the territories. How many territories had Christmas Eve or Christmas Day shows or or Boxing Day shows? And those yeah. were, were just mainstays that you'll never see again because it's just a different a different business in a different world. But you know, the, mm-hmm. the one that comes the, the one that comes to my mind is um, the W the WCCW Christmas Star Wars where the the Freebird feud was born. I mean, that was a Christmas right. show. Mm-hmm. Where uh where Hayes oh, and Gordy turned on, on Carrie and started the free bird yeah. on Eric War. I mean, oh, man. that'll forever be one of one of my favorite Christmas Day shows. And then you had AWA ran their ran their Christmas it was either Christmas Day or the day after Christmas Day. It was one of their uh big Sunday shows and that was you know, those were always a big deal. Mhm. Did Crockett run on Christmas? I know Star. I know Starcade was was always Thanksgiving, but did Crockett run right. on Christmas? Uh, I remember they having one. It was a special Christmas event a long time ago, and I, I, it's the one okay. I'm thinking of where Steamboat Youngblood took on uh, Slaughter and uh, Cornodal. Oh, and, and Cornodal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back, back yeah. then, I feel I'm not mistaken, but. But then, you know, yeah, back then, it, it was, it, like I said, it was different. People would actually go, you would actually have 10,000 people on a Christmas day mm-hmm. going to, oh, you know, yeah. going to, uh, going to a card and, and, uh, and everybody making money and everybody, you know, putting on a, a great experience for the fans. And that's what it's all about. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. You know, without the people, we wouldn't exist. Amen to that. <laughs> World vicariously tied in, intertwined together in the business. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there, there's always there's always fiascos that are run around Christmas mm-hmm. that I won't talk about because I, it's <laughs> years now and it's not worth talking about. But we all know what those right. were. But again, those were experiences. 
You know, right. every experience is every experience is not going to be the ultra positive, ultra professional experience that I had at uh, at Fightmare, but mm-hmm. there's still experiences, and they, they still help to to round out your career. And for nothing else, you learn what not to do. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true, and, and a lot a lot of the the great events during the Christ, Christmas time weren't necessarily pay per views, and like they were just just like huge house shows, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I remember yeah. going back to, what the hell was it, 2006, I think? And mm-hmm. uh, it was the, it was, um, I want to see it was either Christmas Day or Boxing Day, where they had the or they had their winter house show in Rosemont. Mm-hmm. And that was a great, that was a good show. It was a house show, but it was a good show. Yeah. But I think one of the things that one of the things that, I, that disappoints me is um, the house shows now aren't as frequent as they used to be, and right. they don't continue to they don't continue the angles. I'm not gonna say storyline because yeah. that, that word bothers me, but uh, right. they don't continue the angles. I mean, you go to a house show and there's a title match, and you really you didn't think there was gonna be a title change, but you didn't know. If there was, right. there wasn't going to be one. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that was part of the allure. I mean, you take a look at, uh, it wasn't a Christmas time show, but you just take a look at, at superstar Billy Graham upsetting Bruno. That was a house yeah. show in Maryland. That was at the Cap Center, or no, in Baltimore, rather. I'm sorry. That was a house show in Baltimore, as opposed to the mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden show where you would expect the title change. Exactly. Next thing you know, you wake up You, you wake up on, on a Saturday morning and you're, you're watching, uh, you're watching, you know, All Star Wrestling, the local WWF show, and next thing you know, uh, you got a title change. Or take a look at the last title change that happened on a Christmas show. It was Boxing Day, 1983, when Backlund mm-hmm. lost to the Iron Sheik. That's right. That was December 26th. Oh wow! You know, and they filled they filled the garden for that show. Mm-hmm. You know, I do recall in season B. Uh, classic champion with the main event was uh, yeah. Rick Flair and Bernie taking on the Midnight Express. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. I mean, I'm sure you've got a lot of great experiences with, with WCW, you know, around the holidays, yeah. running house shows and running here and running there, or with Smoky Mountain when you were at Smoky Mountain. Because, again, just, you know, Jimmy is just... I had Cornette. Cornette was one side, J.J. Dillon was another, and, like, towards towards the finish, like... JJ and Dylan got involved. I mean, everybody got in the big melee. It was really cool at the yeah. finish. Yeah, you know, it, it's that's something that um, do we see that now? No, uh, but no. you know, the schedule is different. I mean, the pay per view mm-hmm. schedules or the the uh, premium event schedules now are set in stone every year. So you know, they don't run those um, those. Let's do a pop up Christmas show out of the blue. Right. And let's make it a big deal. They don't do that anymore, and that's okay. That's okay. It's just a yeah. different a, a different time and, and a different schedule. But I, I think it's one of the things that um, that make us nostalgic for the old days. You know, and I, oh, I, I feel I've not been in the business as long as some, but I've mm-hmm. been I've been a knowledgeable fan since 1975. Since I was eight years old, because I always right. watched it with a critical eye. I always watched it for the managers. I watched it for the heels. I used to. Everybody right. used to hate the interview segments because they took away from the matches. But I loved the interview segments. That's really. That's where they told the story. Yes, it was in the interviews. Yes, and, and and a lot of times it's so frustrating when you try to see a talent try to sell themselves with a, their promo in the interview, and, and they get interrupted. Every time they talk, before they get a chance to say two words into the promo. Yeah, you know, but I mean, so you know, yeah, I mean that's how that's how you grow. You know, let them talk, let them do their thing. You know, agreed. Well, I mean, here and, and another thing that uh, during the wars, I was a, I'm not, not ashamed to say it. I was a WCW fan. I didn't like mm-hmm. the Attitude Era, and one of the things I hated about the Attitude Era, and this is weird coming from a manager, I hated the 20 minute promo to start the show. Oh, right, right, yeah. 
It's like, really? You got to get on the stick for 20 minutes to start the show? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you, that didn't make any you don't sense give you enough time or you give you too much time, right? <laughs> right. But, I mean, you know, the, the old days of the of the local promotion and the UHF, and everybody knew that the local show, the local TV show was just a, a, 40, a 30 or a 45 or an hour or a two-hour infomercial to sell tickets to the house shows or to sell tickets oh, to the yeah. big show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew what that was, but it was – it was interesting to see the, um, you know, to see how wrestlers and managers and uh, announcers put all that together in the interview segments. I think that's what's lacking. I think the idea of going back in front of a, uh, in front of a, the cutout screen, you know, and, and just doing the the old style interview is something that needs to be brought back. Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the things, I disagree with a lot of things in New Japan. Uh, I'm not a proponent mm-hmm. of strong style. To me, strong style is an excuse for being reckless. But God, do I love their post-match interviews, those press conference-type interviews. Oh, they're That's great, brilliant. yeah. It's brilliant because, it, again, it, pay, it pays homage and it, it portrays our sport, and as I always say, this great sport that we love as what it is. It's sport. At least it should be thought of as a sport. You know, I... I wish AEW would kind of pick up on that, too. You know what I mean? They're, they're you know, I, think, I, think they, I think they will as, as time goes on. Because you don't yeah. see a lot of that in-ring 20-minute nonsense anymore. Mm-hmm. I think, I think uh, going back to Soraya, her interview with, with, Renee, uh, with Renee Young, Renee Paquette, was uh, yeah. a step in that direction. Yes, absolutely. You know, what the what the NWA does, what they did better when when Marquez and, and Cornette were there when they first you know got rebooted with the mm-hmm. with the interview segments at the podium. That's all good stuff. I mean, I, right. I wish the E would I wish the E would take their um, take their interviews out of the backstage area and put them in front of and put them in front of a walkout card out like they did with uh, with Gene Okerlund. I mean, you mean to tell me mm-hmm. there's not one announcer that could there's not one announcer in WWE that can carve out a niche as an Oakland style interviewer? I beg to differ. Right, right, right. You know, and those interviews, those interviews, while they're you know while the the business is not house show dominated anymore, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You can do you can do national interviews in that format, and that format's timeless. I mean, if it's not broke, why fix it? You know, not everybody is the rock. You're not going to get, no. you might get one guy, and I haven't seen him yet. MJF is close, but I haven't seen him yet. You might get one guy that can captivate an audience for 14, 15 minutes on the microphone like the rock did, or like a Stone Cold did. But let's yeah. be honest, the rock and Stone Cold were 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. 25 to 30 years ago. They weren't yesterday. Right. You know, they're still relevant because they can still come out there and, and cut a great promo no matter when. But, mm-hmm. you know, week in and week out, that was 30 years ago for those guys. Yeah. Where's, where's, the, new, where's the new crop that can, that can do that? And if they can't, that's fine. Then don't give them 15 yeah. minutes in the ring to start the show. Give, you know, mm-hmm. give five or six of them two minutes in an interview segment interspersed in, in the matches. You know, have have a match, two matches, go to the interview spots, and it can be pre-tapes or whatever, one, two, three interviews, back to the ring, one, two, three interviews, back to the ring, and close the show. I mean, you can do that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's true. It, it can be done. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm interested I mean, to, see, um, to see this documentary on McMahon next week. Uh, the Nine oh, Lives of yeah, Vince McMahon is, is going to be on. I'm interested to see what that looks like. Yes, that definitely will be interesting. <laughs> okay, because again, like him one. or hate him, like him or hate him, Vince was a genius. God, by far. You know, I was watching an interview today with with uh, with Jesse Ventura that Jesse did a number of years ago, and he was wondering why. You know, the interview asked him, "Do you think um, do you think Vern would have could have survived against McMahon?" And Ventura said, "Absolutely," but he didn't he didn't know how to fight a war. You know, the first rule mm-hmm. they teach you in, in, in warfare is to protect your backyard. 
and Vern didn't do that. Yeah. I mean, he went out and tried to, you know, he tried to invade New York and New Jersey, and he tried to do, you know, he tried to outdo Vince in the invasion angles, and he couldn't get it done. And Vince that's, just went in and steamrolled him. That was Crockett. Yeah, I mean, trying to get too big, you know, trying to get too big, too fast. I mean, granted, you know, Crockett was uh, was better at that, was better suited toward it than than Ganya was or any of the other uh, territories were. But mm-hmm. you know, trying to run trying to run three hundred dates nationwide or worldwide, it's always going to be difficult when you don't have. Um, when you don't have the funds or you don't get lucky enough to have that one that one once in a lifetime character that uh mm-hmm. that can carry your company for eight, ten, twelve years like Hogan did. Right, right. I mean right. again, like him or not, Hulk Hogan was a phenomena. He was yeah, a, right. he was a larger than life character that just appealed to such a large segment of the world's population. And Vince was smart enough to run with him. Mm-hmm. You know, did did Crockett have that? It kind of, sort of did. I mean, he had Dusty, mm-hmm. he had Magnum. Wasn't anybody's fault that Magnum got in a car accident. Uh, wasn't anybody's fault that David Von Erich died because David could have been huge. Oh yeah. You know, Ric Flair was was gigantic, but you know, you can only go so far as a heel. I mean, even as mm-hmm. a as a popular, well liked heel, you're still a heel. You know, you, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you're not that you're you're not that baby face. You're not that fan favorite that's going to just uh, transcend the business. And, and again, the thought right. process was different. I mean, Vince was thinking entertainment. Everybody else was thinking territorial. Even you know, even right. Crockett trying to be nationwide, still had a territorial mindset. You know, not wanting to break kayfabe and 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 whatnot, not going all cartoony. And I, don't get me wrong, I was an NWA fan, NWA into WCW. That was my that was what I preferred to watch as a fan before I got in the business. Did I watch the mm-hmm. E? Yeah. Can I tell you that I turned the E off more than I watched it during the Attitude Era? Absolutely. I didn't like mm-hmm. the Attitude Era. I don't like the idea right. of using profanity on the microphone. I don't like the right. idea of of uh, of you know uh, exploiting women as they were done back in the '90s, and I, I fault Bischoff for this too. I mean, you had you've always had female wrestlers, and yeah, you know you're you're gonna lie if you say you're not you're not you're not a fan of or or more in tune with um, with the female wrestler that is uh, better looking. Let's put it you know for lack of a better term, but the kind right. of exploitation that they pulled off and got away with back in the Monday Night Wars was disgusting on both sides. And I think that's what I think that's what set a Medusa apart. Is that she was a mm-hmm. legit worker. Same thing right. with, with you know with, with Molly Holly, with with Nora, with uh, a legit worker. I mean, you know, you start to see all the legit workers get phased out. And and no disrespect mm-hmm. to the Tory Wilsons and Stacey Keeblers and Kelly Kellys of the world, but they're not the same caliber as a Mula or a Mae Young or a Donna Christianello or Vicky Williams, Joyce Grable. I mean, they're they're not in that caliber, and it wasn't their fault. They weren't trained to be in that caliber, which is why it's right. so refreshing to see the it's so refreshing to see the current women's evolution. And again, big shouts need to go out to Dave Prezak because without Shimmer, a lot of these girls don't have a platform to work before they went to the E. You know, they go to the E and they're established workers. They're good, solid workers. And you take a look at the amount of Shimmer alumni that are both on the WWE's roster and AEW's roster. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what women's wrestling should be about. You know, you want to empower women. You want, you, you want, to, you want to showcase them and you want to appreciate what they do in the ring. You know? Oh, absolutely. And it's great to see women... We're in the wrestling main event cards now and, and, and everything. It, it, that's, uh, it, it's a really yeah. awesome time to be a wrestling fan, you know? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And, you know, you've, you've, got, uh, you've got women that project themselves in different ways, uh, you know, and, and that's fine. You know, you got, you got one that I don't particularly care for, 
um, who is trying to trying to use that entitlement i that entitlement attitude and mm-hmm. trying to make that over over trying to make you overlook her her shortcomings as a wrestler and mm-hmm. sort of demanding that uh, that you appreciate what she does and it's like look you can tout all you want you can wear all the dollar bill bikinis you want if you suck in the ring you just suck in there oh, everybody yeah. knows who I'm talking about Everybody knows what I'm talking about. I don't have to go I've any often further. Said many time, often said many times, what you do in the ring is the truth serum. If you have it or you don't. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, you can you can carry you can all ability. the titles you want. Right. You can carry all the titles mm-hmm. you want. You can you can do all the mean tweets you want. You can say how you're entitled to this and entitled to that and play all the, the different cards that you want. But when you get between the ropes and that bell rings, and if you suck, then you just suck. That's it. Go back and learn <laughs> your craft. And people can, people, you know, here are the, the, the smart marks or the Internet crew to go, what's Chaz talking about? He's never made it there. I may not have made it to the E or made it to AEW, but I've worked enough big cards and enough small cards and with enough people that are names, with enough people that are there, with enough people that, should have gotten there and never did to know what the hell I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. That's so true. You know, I pride myself yeah. being I pride myself on, on being um on being a fossil. I mean I pride myself on being a territory guy. This last time mm-hmm. I went to Memphis, I went there I drove down I was work I had to appear on Saturday night. I drove down Saturday morning, got up nice and early, eight hour trip down to Memphis in the rain. Mm-hmm. Got there, went over everything, worked the show, got done, mm-hmm. got in the car, turned around and came back home, and I was home by eight o'clock in the morning. Wow, twenty-two hour turnaround. Now that's old school. <laughs> that's yes, territory. Mm-hmm. You know, I like driving. I'm a driving fool. I enjoy road trips. So you know, driving thirteen hours to to uh, to Morgan City, Louisiana, to work for to work for Gulf State. You know, and that's mm-hmm. fine for me. I don't mind it. I like running the roads. In fact, when we were uh, going down to Birmingham as we were getting, as we were uh, contesting custody of my stepdaughter, you know, mm-hmm. I used to make my wife laugh because I treated it like a like a territory run. You know, our first stop was Indianapolis, and then we yeah. hit Nashville. Or no, we hit I'm sorry, Indianapolis, Louisville, Nashville, Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And it's like you know you could appreciate the boys running the road and making you right. know making the that type of uh, making that type of, of loop you know week in and week out. Mm-hmm. That's that's great. You know, you know, um, and I'm, I w- thank thank you, uh, Chaz, for being here. This has been amazing, brother. It's been really awesome. Uh, oh, it's my pleasure. For, I know uh, I'm, I know I can be long winded at times, but I, but I appreciate you know. Uh, the platform to, to talk about what I'm passionate about. And we'll definitely have to continue more of this really soon. Um, uh, thank you for Spotify and iTunes listeners are listening in. Of course, as well as the VOC Nation listeners, uh, this is really cool. Um, Chaz, you got anything you, you got going coming up you'd like to plug? Or, or you know, I, I'm, um, I'm done for the, I'm done for December. So I'm not going to do too much. I'm going to stay close to home for the holidays. You know, Amy and I are going to celebrate the holidays together as always, which is always fun. I'm too old for amateur hour, so I'm too old to go out on New Year's Eve. So, And that's fine. <laughs> New Year's Eve is my favorite holiday. Everybody can talk, they can talk about Halloween and they can talk about Christmas all they want. You know, for a guy like Chaz Moretti, New Year's Eve is his holiday. And, oh, and right. that's where, you know, I'll, and, you know now I, I, I'll put on old tapes of the Rat Pack and, uh, old tapes of old New Year's Eve shows and whatnot, and you know, I got my bottle of Moe, which I usually kill between New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, and nice. uh, you know that's how I, that's how we celebrate now. So I'm gonna stay close to home for December. I got to deal with a 90 day suspension at Mid South, so I'll be back at Mid South probably late April, early May when the when my suspension's over. I tried to appeal okay. it and I lost. All right, whatever. You know, my schedule my schedule is open for twenty twenty three. 
I definitely right. am with a, I'm passport ready, and I, I'm definitely willing to travel. So I, I I would relish more bookings in Ireland and Scotland and Germany, Italy. Uh, chances to to show more of the Europeans what I look what I'm about. I I will be I will always be available to WAW at a moment's notice. I mean that's pretty much what's going on with me. And then you know I'm, right now we're we're trying to put together a, uh, just a, a great tour for uh, for Zach Zodiac for his U.S. tour in July. And um, well, I'm looking for corporate sponsorships. How can you get, any... get get a hold of you for for like bookings or what have you? Oh, you can here you can reach me in a number of different platforms. You can reach me on Facebook at Chaz with Chaz Moretti. You can reach me on Instagram at uh, Chaz M three nineteen. And you can reach me at um, on Twitter at RealChazM1. Awesome, awesome. You hear that, guys? So, uh, if you're looking to, to book Chaz and ready for your event, you know, reach him. He's, he's one of the all-time best, hands down. Um, but thank, oh, thank, thank you, sir. I appreciate that compliment. Thank, thank you so much, man. It's been awesome. And just, guys, just know uh, this Saturday, well, Sunday, rather, if you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, I'm going to be at the uh, Charlotte Comic Con. At Embassy Suites in Concord, North Carolina, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. I'll be doing a special Q&A, so, so uh, come see me if you're in that area. But uh, thank you, Chaz. This has been awesome. It's great. We'll have to do this again next week or whenever you're available, man. It's always a good time. Um, yeah, brother, I'm more, than, I'm more than happy to come on your show anytime. So I appreciate you giving me the platform to, to talk. I mean, like I said, I know I can be long-winded at times, but, you know, I truly – and passionate about this great sport, and that's just how I am. That never changed. <laughs> Please. Oh, my God. Thank, thank you, me. brother. But thank, thank you, guys. Take care. Uh, Merry Christmas, and have an awesome weekend. See you next week. Yep. Merry Christmas, everybody. Take care.